This is a CNA podcast. By now, we are very adept at hybrid working, working from home and remote working. Yet another term is fast becoming fashionable, digital nomad. The idea? You can work from anywhere, no fixed business location, and you are completely remote. Okay, when people say digital nomad though, the picture in my mind is a dude in board shorts, like on a beach in Bali. (laughs) And... Perhaps even something closer to home, right? Adrian, didn't you go and try sitting at Pasir Ris Beach for a while? Oh, I did. But it only lasted like 10 minutes because the sun was just too strong for me. I remember you wrote about it because you said that you couldn't charge your laptop. I couldn't charge my laptop. Uh, The signal on my phone was bad. And there was a fly that kept swarming (laughs) around my leg. It was so irritating. I know it sounds idyllic and dreamy whenever we think of digital nomads because of pictures we see. But is it all that it's cracked up to be? Firstly, can you work for a company with HR rules and staff handbooks? Or is this nomadic work setting something only geek workers, freelancers and self-employed people can take on? In a world where globalisation is firmly entrenched, it is not far-fetched to have a situation where your partner is offered a two-year tenure in another country. I've heard of stories like this. You want to be able to work from that location, perhaps for a few months at a time. And this involves having some negotiation with your own company, right? And if you're a manager, how will you deal with a workforce that you hardly see in person? And if you do arrange for someone to work out of another country, what administrative knots like taxes, visa issues do you actually need to worry about? With us to discuss this is Kailash Madan, head of APAC for Primer. Primer is a 100% remote working fintech startup that has staff working over, get this, 25 different countries around the world. And ironically, for a topic on remote work, this recording is done in person. Kailash is in the studio with us. Welcome. Thank you so much, Christina <laughs> and Adrian. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. So it's usually the case for our guests. We would like you to perhaps share a bit about yourself as well as your career. And also, since we're on this topic, do you actually have an office to go into? <laughs> yeah. Uh, first of all, my name is Kailash. I'm based in Singapore. I've been here for about six years. I'm originally from India, so started my career there mm-hmm. and started with City, moved over with City to Singapore and then worked for a few years at Stripe, which is again a payments company. Yep. And for the last one and a half years, I've been at Primo. Primo is a UK-based company, as you rightly said, Crispina, and we have staff in, I think the count is now 30 countries, about 30. 120 people in 30 countries across North America, Europe, Africa, and Asia. My role is to build out our presence in Asia-Pacific, and I have a team of about 10 people scattered across Singapore, Thailand, Taiwan, Australia, and India. So yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Where's the furthest country that your staff is working in compared to Singapore? I think Toronto. Or one of the Canadian cities. Right, North America. North America. We have uh, two people in South Africa as well. South Africa? Yeah. 
Okay, so you're the ideal person for this topic <laughs> of digital nomads. There's like lots of nomads all over the place with you, right? Okay, you were telling us that you don't go into the office. Do you guys have an office? Honestly, no. All of us, we work from home, mm-hmm. so we don't have any dedicated office spaces. But what we do provide is we understand that some folks need to get out of their house to be yeah. productive because of yeah. kids or whatever reasons they may have. So we have tie-ups with co-working spaces. So one day I could go to Van Raffelski, one day I could go to MBS. Mm. So it's pretty digitally nomadic in that sense as well because I can choose my office space depending on my mood. So as Adrian said, if I want a beach view, I can go somewhere close to Changi and work out of there. If I want a more downtown-y view, I go to CBD and work out of there. Or if I just want to work in shorts. So if you want to go to Bali for the weekend or maybe take Monday and Tuesday in addition to that, you can do that too. You can work there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. That's nice. Sounds good. (laughs) Let's unpack this for our listeners. This digital nomadism, it's really interesting because you work for a fintech company. It's highly digital, obviously. But in your experience, either with yourself or with your staff that you've managed, what is the central idea of being nomadic? What's your experience been? I'm sure when you started in City, you had to go into the office, you had a staff pass, you had lunches. It's so completely different. Yeah, it's extremely different. I think all of this was made fashionable or, or almost necessary during COVID mm. and now it's something which people have caught on to and, and the trend continues but yeah to answer your question I think it's very different from a in-office kind of experience Okay. but before we get to the actual answer to that question I want to clarify the difference between a remote worker and a digital nomad yes. right uh, so a digital nomad is a subset of a remote worker right We normally employ remote workers. So what these folks are, are basically, they are tied to a particular location. Mm. So let's say me, I'm based in Singapore. Right. So I have the right to live here and I have a certain set of visas and employment related laws here. Yes. But I have the flexibility to work from anywhere. I could work from my house, I could work from Mm. a co-working or I could Mm. go to any sort of office. A digital nomad, on the other hand, they're typically not tied to a certain location right, right? they could not spend geographically th- fixed correct so they could spend three months in bali three months in thailand right. and they take care of their right to live and work in a particular mm. place in terms of employment laws there would be slight differences between yeah the two. i think that's an important clarification which goes well to our next question because i think many people when they look at things from their viewpoint is always so nice the grass is always so green can work anywhere that i want to and like you rightly said if i want to go into office with a beach view I can do that as well but in the case of the digital nomad where you just mentioned you need to take care of a lot of your own stuff like your taxes your visa could you also help us to better understand what are the kind of things that a remote worker as well as a digital nomad would have to really consider when they undertake those kind of working arrangements so for a remote worker I think the setup is slightly more easier because companies like us who employ remote workers could handle a lot of employment and taxation related activities but it's slightly different for a digital nomad because they may need to take care of a lot of things because they Mm. don't know where they're based as long as you're willing to take on that responsibility I think you have the added advantage of working from wherever you want and having that charmed life like out of a beach or or while surfing or any of those activities and likely they should be on tourist pass right so they also cannot stay too long in one place for instance in your company you wouldn't necessarily hire somebody who has this digital nomad kind of idea where they want to work three months in one location, three months in another. Because that complicates your contracts, right? 
there are different types of contract of course it varies from country to country for us we ensure that we employ people on the right setup now if they want to move to a different country then they handle the complexity on their end but ah, we're increasingly see. seeing countries now opening out digital nomad visas itself oh mm. so specific visas for folks who may want to work in a particular country for a year or a five year i think right. spain yesterday introduced a program where you can get a five year digital nomad visa Mm. Right so as long mm. as you have a contract with a company to work for them and get paid yep. you can stay and and live in that country things are evolving quite rapidly for the digital nomad space yeah you're right eventually there might be an easy system for people to be more fluid i imagine for example if europe has a visa not just a specific country and then you could move within there I don't know. That's possible. Actually, my wife works for a company, a UK company, and they actively support their employees in moving across different countries. Mm. And some of their employees would just out of fancy, oh, I think I want to work out from Japan. Mm. Uh, no problem because they have a Japan office. But even in countries where they don't have those offices, they would just engage a company that does employer on records, EOR for short. And all these company will already have entities across, say, hundred over countries, right. and will just piggyback lah on their entity so right. that they can easily become a employee and a worker in that specific country. Oh wow, that's yeah, that, that's exactly the model we are on. So we work with employer of record. Okay. And yeah, they take care of setting up entities and sponsoring visas and stuff mm-hmm. because that is their core competency. So it gives us the flexibility to, as I said, we have folks in like seven different countries in Asia yeah. alone. Yeah. It's not like we go set up entities and hire people from there. We use employers of records and gives us access to a larger talent pool. The last mm-hmm. thing you want as a company which has high growth plans is to be restricted by talent like you want to hire the best talent irrespective of where they are or where they want to be so you employ tools to make that happen let's talk a little bit about managing remote workers so you kind of do it across multiple geographic locations i'm assuming very different time zones what's your number one pain point and how do you work around it i wouldn't say pain point but i'd say the number one priority for us to enable such a model is the right onboarding i think even mm. before the employee comes in like yes you get access to a good talent pool okay but how do you ensure that when they come in they're aligned with the vision and mission of the company and mm. how are they set up with the right set of tools from their computer their home office so that they have mm. a safe space to work from and then there is asynchronous exchange of information between various team members they ramp up in the right manner i think that onboarding period of 1 to 2 months which pretty much defines the employee's experience l- experience in the company right that needs to be extremely robust you know something i started work during covid mm-hmm. and quite a lot of the people who started during covid the biggest problem was the lack of onboarding experience Of course because we had no choice we were all home I couldn't attend all these meetings with the different people and to sit down and talk to them and when I was reading about staff right one of the things that has come back in full scale with the reopening is onboarding that's one thing HR is saying okay enough of this online onboarding plans of meet because it's very important So tell me how does an online onboarding how is it the same as a physical one And I think in your case you mentioned earlier on you have staff as far away as in Canada 
yeah. given different time zone, I don't think anyone in Singapore want to stay up in midnight <laughs> just to onboard the staff. So how do you actually handle yeah. that? You have a number of tools. So there's a tool called Loom where you can record videos and people can watch it whenever they're free. You have tools like Notion, you have Airtable, Figma, Slack. So there are so many tools out there. That's how we know he's a tech guy. (laughs) Because he's saying things I don't know. (laughs) So there's so many tools out there which make time zones really irrelevant to an extent. Like I can be in Canada and consume the same content as I would do in Singapore with Mm. no lack of quality or difference in quality because it's pre-recorded by the same speaker. So the onboarding is somewhat like going through a specific Udemy training program on your own. It's like an online set of instructions? Could be. There are some live as in, uh, not live in person, but live on video sessions which happen with folks. Given we have most folks in Europe, that mm. kind of sits well between North America and Asia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so they're right in the middle. Okay. So that can kind of work well. But it's a hybrid. Like you have live sessions as well as pre-recorded sessions that people can consume. Mm. I think one of the things that we have been hearing and also quite recently there was a survey done by UOB that many companies in Singapore has been getting their people to come back to office yeah. full-time. Of course, in your case, that is not possible. Everyone is remote from day one. But maybe we can understand a bit on the performance management aspect. Mm. I'm very certain some of these companies out there are facing perhaps some performance issues, which is why they feel that people need to come back to office, sit at the table. Are you sure and they observe. face performance issues? <laughs> I don't know. I'm convinced. I, 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 I think, think also, they just want people to come back. I think also some managers are very traditionalist yes, because that was how they the were thing. brought up. Yeah. It's like my yeah. army sergeant, when he first joined army, he cannot tekan. So in return, he tekan us. <laughs> he has to be paid forward. But in your case, because there is no physical office, how do you all manage that successfully to make sure that everything is within deadline, everything is well kept track of? Are there any advice, any best practices, any tools perhaps that you can share on Mm. how you guys are doing it. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I think two things, right? One goes back to the hiring process you have. Okay. You need to hire a certain set of people who, one, they're willing to work in such a model and they're open to exploring this model and don't expect a physical interaction in an office space kind of working setup. They Mm. need to be extremely self-motivated and drive themselves on their own a particular day. And that's what we try and bring in our hiring process so so we attract the right kind of talent for us right that's one now next communication and trust is extremely key as a manager coming to office definitely has its advantages you meet not only your manager but you meet your colleagues you establish that bond which could be beyond work as well and that's what keeps certain employees going but all of that is harder to do when you're not particular space so I think as a manager, ensuring that communicating and sometimes over-communicating with your folks and creating that level of trust and bond between your team members, I think that is key. So some tools we use are Slack and Zoom and Google Meets and have non-work-related hangouts, say, every Friday so people feel a sense of community. What's a non-related work hangout online look like? You can play quizzes, you can play games, the stuff Ooh. like Kahoot, which you can do on, on oh, yeah, Fridays. Yeah. Lots of icebreaker kind of activities that are possible. So you're drinking in your home with your colleagues? Yeah. Virtual happy hour. Virtual virtual happy happy hour. hour. Sounds good. What we have every Friday, end of day, is something called beer kiss. So everyone gets a beer or whatever they want to drink and then folks talk about how their week has been, some high-level company updates. It's a very chill vibe where everyone gets to know what's happened in the company in the last one week. And the founders are there. So it makes it even better. 
And the best part is you don't have to get a grab home. <laughs> ah, exactly. You can just get wasted at home. Yes. Are you looking for ways to make your money work harder for you? Or need tips on saving, investing and making financial decisions? Join me, Andrea Heng, on Money Talks, CNA's top personal finance podcast. From investment basics to the FIRE movement and legacy planning, Money Talks looks at financial trends and stories that matter to you. Check out our complete playlist on the CNA app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us or subscribe for new episodes every Tuesday. I just wanted to touch a little bit more on the hiring part. To me, this is so interesting because when we talk to people and we want to hire them, it's the other way around. They are looking for more hybrid, less physical. You are hiring for all hybrid, all remote, no physical. And so the type of person you hire is quite important. And you were saying somebody who is very self-motivated, who is very disciplined. How do you tell this in an interview though? Do you guys have like some special AI tools that will figure this out? Yeah, I think that's a very important question and I wouldn't say we've cracked it. Okay. Of course, you learn as you do more, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do have certain rounds in our interview process which try and see how people react in situations which are very ambiguous, where there's very li limited set of info to consume and how do you react to it. Ooh. And if you're faced with challenges, how do you bring structure to a very unstructured kind of situation? Like okay. You can see this with a work-related concept mm -hmm. or with a non-work-related concept yep. as well, which could be personal life examples. Where if I'm thrown in the deep end, like I'm in a new country and I have a parking ticket, I don't speak the language, how do I react to such situation? Do I get flustered and be mm. like, oh, what do mm. I do? Or mm. am I calm and I figure out a way to handle this right. and get out of that situation? I think a lot of this shows how that particular individual is when faced with ambiguity. I love that because there's very little to do with like whether you have an MBA or a PhD or whatever and so much to do with other skills, right? Yeah, and do you think personality may play a part as well? Because I, I observe so, yeah. friends who are very extrovert. Mm. They just cannot tahan working a single minute at home. They just need to speak with someone because that is how they keep their battery charged. Oh. Whereas someone like me, introvert, I can just spend my whole day working at home. And it also helps that I have no friends. So I don't really need that social circle. I can just be my myself. Would all this factor come into play as well? It would. One of the questions I ask while I hire is, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Because if you are an extrovert and you're... Next! <laughs> <laughs> but Bye. some of the most successful people have been extroverts because they find that balance. One thing I need to caveat is we are a sales org. So we have external meetings. So it's yes. not like we're sitting at home all day. We meet merchants and we meet partners and those kind ah, of people. Okay, so that's important. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of channel your extroverted energy into those aspects, which is great for the business. So it works for both sets of people. Mm, that's an interesting... Yeah, because in the nature of the job matters as well. I mean, if, if you're purely a software engineer, for example, and you don't need to sell to anybody, and you don't need to meet anybody, then that's a different thing altogether, right? Okay. One of the reasons bosses want employees back, especially in Singapore, is the lack of communication, okay? And you said so yourself, right? Trust and communication is key. They seem to think that's downside of remote work, is that when you actually don't meet someone in person, 
it's very hard to build a relationship. And work becomes very task-oriented. And then it's easy to quit because you don't even have these bonds in the first place. What do you think makes a difference? Like in the pure remote collaboration, meeting, brainstorming, how do you keep that going? That's a very important point. And I think it's about finding the right balance, right? So what we do is weekly team meetings where the entire team comes together and we discuss what the game plan should be for the particular week. Then I spoke to you about beer case, which happens at the end of the week where we celebrate the wins we had Mm. or the losses we went through during the course of the week. So I think building a sense of community among people makes them feel connected to the workplace they're at. Okay. The other thing we do is we have what we call workations, right? It's an abbreviation for work plus vacation. Okay. So we take a week, everyone gathers. So last time we did this in Bali, so everyone from APAC went mm. to Bali and we did brainstorming sessions on what we can do. And also we had a lot of fun. So we went sure. to Uluwadu Temple, we did surfing, we did yeah. all of that. So basically team building. Mm. We have yearly retreats where the entire company gets together. Last time we did this in Portugal. Mm. So we have a lot of these team bonding kind of activities, which brings us all together. Imagine you're talking to a person over Zoom or Slack for three months and then you meet them. Things are so much more better, right? Because it's a different sense. Because you already know them, sort of. Yes. But it's better now. Correct. It's almost like being in a well-functioning, long-distance relationship. I was in a long distance for seven years and I had Ooh, a... Yeah. So you see, you have practice. No wonder he got this job. That is another hiring criteria. Have yes. you ever had a long distance relationship? And did not self-destruct. Uh, yeah. Did not self-destruct. So when you meet, it's so good that it keeps you going for the next three months almost. Uh, yeah. So you get the best of both worlds. Like Adrian said, like you may be an introvert. You do so well when you're just by yourself and then you get stuff done. Mm. And then once in three months, you meet people, you're like at your best because you've done what you had to. I think it's the best of both worlds. And if you combine it well, it can bring good outcomes for companies. Okay, so what I'm hearing from that is that it is still important to meet. The thing is, actually, when you meet in these limited times, like if I meet maybe twice a year, Actually, it makes the meetings a lot more productive, a lot more interesting compared to our monthly meetings or weekly meetings, which everybody's quite seeing. It reminded me of our previous episode with Daniel. Daniel was a guest on our episode about office romance where he met the wife. Oh, yeah. He said something along the line because every day they see each other, they say the same thing. Or they talk about the same thing. After work, nothing else to talk about. (laughs) So I think on the same vein, when you come together occasionally, you have more things to look at. And I think on the other hand, I also want to understand, because what you just mentioned is very much company-initiated. Being 100% remote companies, Prima is work enough to implement all this in order to sustain this 100%. But for many other companies out there, they are sitting on the fence, they are on hybrid, and maybe even considering joining many companies that have already enforced their people back to office. At the employee level, what can an employee do on his or her own to create that trust, to create that understanding from management slowly but surely that actually remote work is okay for me? How do they over-communicate in order to prevent management from thinking too much (laughs) that things are not working out well? I think it's a two-way street. can't just be the manager taking initiative to make things work. It's also the employees giving that level of transparency to build that trust between themselves and the manager. And Mm. not just the manager, even their peers, right? It's a trust-based environment that we operate in. And as humans... 
we are extroverted to a large extent we are social creatures and we build that trust as far as we can mm. so i think yeah being very transparent about what you're doing what your goals are the one thing about remote working that we follow as well is there's no strict timing it's not like i need to log in at 9 and i end at 6 some days i work from 6 a.m and then close at 3 because i need to go play tennis in the evening mm. so it mm. gives you that level of flexibility and as long as your outputs and your kpis are mm. delivered i think your manager should trust you to achieve what you signed right. up to achieve without right. micromanaging on a day to day basis yeah i think we still have some way to go adrian we do work mostly at home like 3 days a week but even when we work from home at about 9 we kind of like hi we're here i have this i don't know inbuilt thing where i have to tell people okay i'm in and i'm going to take a break etc i think it takes a while maybe even a generation to get out of that to say just output driven completely perhaps so i did have a friend who who tell me because in traditional manner you have people working in the office you can see through observation that they are working on something but in a remote setting you cannot see yeah. so what he did was he provided a weekly report for the manager mm. even though this is not something that he asked for so at end of the week he would tell the manager email the manager this is what i did this is what i'm working on to provide that evidence lah yeah it's kind of like not... a security also yep. because you know i'm sure not everybody's perfect right mm. there might be some employees who do take advantage but it would show in the output lah yes having ways to measure performance uh not necessarily in a bad way but more to see if they're doing well if there mm. are any areas of improvement that becomes key so what we have as a mandate is weekly one on ones with the manager one hour a week where the manager spends time with the employees just to see what's happened any areas they can unblock so that's something which happens regularly okay. most companies follow an annual growth review performance cycle yes. appraisal process yep. we do it quarterly because things change so fast and people are in a remote setting so it's very important to measure your goals performance on a quarter by quarter basis and okay. then reset if things are not going well so you put out goals each quarter and then you check in correct right so if we're not leaving it till the end of the year to see if something's going well or something's not going well you do it every quarter so it gives you time to course correct and get back right. on track we can wrap by asking kailash what do you think out there for people who want this career whether it's digital nomad or complete remote what are the key things that they should keep in mind yeah the best output you can have as an employee of a company is when you are in a place that you want to be both mentally and physically if you found that place i think there are plenty of companies who would be willing to hire you and get the best out of you both yourself and for the company i think it's important to to find that right organization and achieve stuff the fullest of your potential. And there are lots of organizations like that now, right? Yes, I think it's becoming increasingly common. I read a stat which said post the pandemic the number of jobs which offer hybrid/fully remote kind of setup has tripled, right? Ooh. Yeah, there are plenty of companies now who are open to this model. Mm. I wouldn't say everyone's figured out the code, but people are at least willing to experiment. Ultimately, you want to hire the best talent for yourself irrespective yeah. of the type of person, where they are, all of that, like it needs to be yeah so i think if you put hiring the talent as the center of your work right i need this guy because he's going to make a difference to my business 
And then everything else is just administrative knots that you have to untangle. I say this because I was just talking to someone this week and he was telling me that he has a great talent he wants to hire, but she's actually based in Australia. And it's hard for him to convince HR to do a kind of like a you stay and work in Australia, but you work for a Singapore company because of the tax issues and the payment issues and all kinds of things. So I was thinking that sounds like a solvable problem to me. Yeah, easily solvable. As, as Adrian mentioned earlier, you have employers of records who, who can just do this. It's their daily job. Right. Bread and butter to, to enable this for companies. It takes a lot of trust and over-communication and building that rapport between the people mm, you work with. Mm. It seems like it all goes back to trust again. Yeah, that seems to be the word that comes up quite a lot. If you don't have that, don't talk about remote. La. Hybrid also cannot work. Yeah. La. Exactly. Thanks, Kailash, for taking time off your busy schedule. I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot about remote working and the world of digital nomads. Okay, so what I took away from this discussion is that I think it's a work in progress, but some people are way ahead of the game than others. And I think those who need to catch up will basically get the talent that they want to look for. And I think Singapore being such a small market, we are already limited by the businesses companies can make. Don't limit yourself to the kind of talents that's only restricted on our small little island. The other key takeaway for me is really the importance of having a clear and effective communication strategy in place. A team cannot work in isolation, so that's really important. And another thing is also the way we hire is really not just the right technical skills but also the right mindset and importantly the ability to work independently yeah i'm very curious how a new generation of young workers your gen z's and your gen alphas will take to this work independently be responsible etc so that's a topic for another day perhaps thank you for tuning in and we hope you found it informative and entertaining don't forget to hit the subscribe button and join us for the next episode if you have any suggestions for future episodes please drop us a message we are at CNA Podcasts at mediacorp.com.sg we'd love to hear from you until next time keep the dream of working from Bali alive you never know <laughs> thanks to the team that helps us with this podcast Jacqueline Chan Joanne Chan Saya Win, and I'm Crispina signing off <laughs>